It's like mining. I don't know. It's one of those things that has always intrigued me, thinking about them guys that dug for gold and pan in the rivers for gold. And, you know, you read about how that it, that they would just stay out there until they, well, got sick and died. Or they went crazy. Or they went nuts, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the stereotype of the old, you know, gold miner is that they're usually got big beards and long hair and crazy looking hats and they're dirty and they're nuts. Why? Because they just stay there. They can't leave it alone. Because one more scoop might just be the thing you've been looking for. <laughs> and and it's kind of that way in this too. The, the more you... It's just like getting in a good vein and mining and you just can't oh, yeah. leave it alone. And you know, you've heard him say it before. You come back here in a year or two and read it again and find something completely different mm-hmm. and just start all over again. You know? We always marveled at why Brother Owen would, had stayed in Romans for so long. But my goodness, there's no wonder. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 18 where we did last week. But I'm going to read all the verses that's left in this chapter. Verses 18 through 25. Let me say this. If someone offered you a fail-proof step-by-step plan to guaranteed riches and success, the only stipulation being that you followed the plan implicitly. How willing would you be to do that? And for how long? Uh, God's Word gives us countless step-by-step plans laid out in the order they need to be addressed in in order to fulfill God's plan for each of our lives. Much counsel and direction is given on marriage, parenthood, and the home. Our study on the Christian virtues uh, Paul laid out at the beginning of chapter 3 has laid a good foundation of understanding for these next eight verses where he addresses a very simple yet well-explained and Christ-like approach to home and home life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, has has anybody in here ever entertained the thought of like, not a pyramid scheme, but these ideas about a new uh, thing you can do to to get to make money. It's there's there's a million things out there that are intriguing that you look into and you're like, maybe just maybe this could work, you know. <laughs> and most people are not successful at it. I see people that are in to certain you know in certain things and i'm not just talking about pyramid schemes i'm talking about legitimate businesses and stuff but it's like we were talking about the other night about starting something for yourself and you just got to stay after it and and never give up just and then this is kind of like that too there's a plan god's laid out for things and how they're to be done but the problem is it's just like with weight loss we this is how it works you start the plan you see results and you're excited about the results, and so you slack off, and because it worked so great so fast, the next thing you know, you're bigger than you were before. <laughs> I speak from experience, okay? You just got to keep going, yes. you know, and and it has to become. I don't want to say the habit of your life, but the lifestyle you live, yeah, that's right. and that's the way this is too. All right, verse number eighteen. Let's read. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. 
for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. That's a good verse. Yes. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. That's a promise. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your trauma or your anxiety. It don't matter. The the X plus Y is going to equal Z straight across the board, no matter what. It's no respecter of persons, just like death. It's not a respecter of persons. comes for us all. All right. All right. Let's start in verse 18. It's neat to me that it covers the entire household. Mm-hmm. Wives, husbands, children, and servants, but... We don't have servants anymore. Some people do, I suppose, in this world. But uh, the the way I'm going to look at this is, is that we're to be servants to each other. Yeah. So individually, he singularly addresses each member of the family. And then he addresses the family as a whole mm-hmm. and ties it all together. Yeah. It's really neat. Wives, submit yourselves. Well, we talked a little bit about submission last week. And so I'm not going to dwell on this a whole bunch, but there's way there, you know, the order that it's wrote is the plan to be followed. And like I said last week, this certain, this specific topic, especially concerning wives, is so demonized by feminism and the feministic approach to even religion and Christianity and everything nowadays that, that it's almost like a dirty word that it's, it's almost like, like, Ranked up there with polygamy. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, a man that would expect his wife to be submitted to him, blah, 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 who would just be just as pleased to have seven wives as he would one. And because he's the one that's wrong for expecting this out of her. Because you're subverting her and making yourself of more intrinsic value as a person than her because she's to be subversive to you. No, it said submitted. It's a difference there. But here's what it says. Submit yourselves. We're going to look at that first. Yourself. No one's going to make you submit. No. It's a voluntary act. And let me take it a step further. It's something that you have to... It's, it's, a, it's a heart matter between you and God. Oh, yeah. That then... It's like the thunder, not the lightning. Does that make sense? Okay. You see the lightning, then you hear the thunder. You don't see thunder. You see the lightning, but you hear the thunder because there was lightning. You'll always hear the thunder. And that's what this is. If your heart is submitted to God in a personal relationship with God and your heart's submitted, then you will have a spirit of submission. That goes all the way across the board for everybody, men and women. You'll have a heart uh, and a spirit of submission and your husband won't be the exception to the rule. I I literally have, have experience with people in my life right now where they'll come to me and say, Hey, I want to do this with my house or with the yard or blah, blah, blah. But I, but why don't you suggest it to her, speaking of their wife, 
because she'll listen to you. She'll listen to anybody else, but not me. So if I suggest it, it's a no. But if you'll suggest it, she'll probably go for it, and then I'll get what I want. I've had them ask me. Can you believe that? Yeah. You believe? Can Can you imagine living that way? What's going on in the mind and the heart of somebody who who takes that default setting stance against their own husband? I can promise you, without a doubt, one hundred percent, that they're not submitted to God. No, that's right. Because. You know, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, and that's just what's going on in there. Submit yourself. That's that's something he asks you to do. Specifically as a wife, submit yourself to who? To your own husband. Not to your friend's husband. Not to your pastor's wife's husband. Not to your neighbor's husband. Not to your boss's husband or whatever. I'm just saying... Your own husband. Right. It, you could park there and talk about that for a long time because there is a lot of importance that, that, that has roots that go way deeper into the home than just what's visible on the surface. But just like what I just said, your own husband. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have no problem you know, submitting to the even suggestion of somebody else's husband, but you do your own, then you've got problems. Yeah. <clears throat> problems that transcend outside of, of, let's just call it, you know, religion. And you have problems in your marriage. Oh, yeah. There's problems with trust and there's problems with honesty and there's problems, whether it's on his part or your part or both your parts or whatever, you got problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, submit yourself to your own husband. And then he says, as it is fit in the Lord. If you concern yourself with the correct way to submit to your own husband, which implies more about the the time and effort you're willing to invest in your own relationship to know each other better, then there would be a lot more of the right signals sent to your husband and a lot less of the wrong signals sent to other women's husbands. That's just something to think about. You know, you see and hear so much about, you know, immorality running rampant in the churches between the members. And it's just like a, it's like a cesspool of wickedness in a lot of churches of sexual immorality between all the married people. And it's like, why? Well, this is why. You, you know, all the signals that are getting sent, all the signals that are getting picked up, they're, they're, you know, you can dress them up any way you want to to make them not look like what they are, but they really are that. And it, and listen, this matter of submission, it translates to the opposite sex in different ways depending on how it's delivered. Mm-hmm. Just going to say that. But he said, as it is fit in the Lord. God has a proper way your submission to your husband is supposed to look and how it is to present itself both to him and everyone else that sees it because it is part of your your testimony. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you ladies need to understand this. I mean, just as much as it speaks of my character to the world out there of how I speak to my wife, it speaks to the world about your character and your faith, about how your submission looks to your husband. You ever been around somebody who's so submitted to their husband, but it's so cringy that it just makes you sick? Or it's just weird? Yeah, I have a bunch. It's supposed to look right. It ain't supposed to be off-putting. That's right. 
If something isn't fit, it means it's broken. You ever think about that? As it is fit in the Lord. And we read that and we're like, man, we understand that. But just break it down a little bit. Her granny, her grandma used to say, ain't no cow, ain't fit to eat. About food she didn't like. It was funny. Ain't fit. It ain't fit to eat. She was a dandy. It ain't fit. It means it's broken. It means it don't fit. You know, yeah. this key don't fit in that lock. Don't fit. It ain't fit. It won't work as intended. We're talking about your submission as it is fit in the Lord to your own husband. If you try to make it work, you're going to damage other parts of the whole with your unfit part. If your your brand of submission, if it's not right, yet you're going to just keep trying to cram it in there and, and make it work, you're just going to destroy everything around it. You, it will. You ever see that in a piece of machinery or something like that and it's just not quite the right fit? You know how they'll machine a, a shaft to fit on a gear, you know, a gear to fit on a shaft and it's mic'd down to the thousands. If it's off two thousands, you're not going to drive it on there. And if you try to drive it on there, you're just going to beat the gear all to pieces. Or you're gonna you're gonna mushroom the end of the shaft or whatever it is, and then you're gonna ruin the machine. And that's kind of the way this is too. If it ain't right, if you're not doing it God's way, you're gonna destroy everything that you could make in a home. That's just food for thought. Your submission shouldn't be cringy. It's a reflection of mutual respect and care about each other's feelings while never losing its grip on right and wrong. That's important too. God's not going to ask you to do something that that would work in your marriage, but it's not right. No, the guidelines are never going to lead you away from what's morally right and allow for you to be morally wrong in order to, for, for you to make this marriage work. It's not going to, it don't work that way. All right, moving on. Verse number 19. Husbands. He addresses them next. Love your wives. And be not bitter against them. That's what he had to say about that. Well, first of all, love your wife. Not your buddy's wife. Not your neighbor's wife. Mm-hmm. Not somebody else's wife you work with. Not somebody else's wife you go to church with. Love your wife. Well, you don't understand. I mean, we work together and we're together every day. And, you know, I mean, we share things because we're friends. Let me just interject something here. It's a pet peeve of mine, but it's not a pet peeve. It's what's right. Okay? Men and women who aren't married shouldn't be friends. There, I said it. Because you can't be friends. The world pushes this agenda so hard. But it's because it erases the line of morality that you must keep there in order to keep yourself faithful loving your wife and being submitted to your husband. Okay? You go out here and you have a bunch of women that are your friends and tell me the devil ain't going to have a right field to work in to, 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 to make, to tempt you with infidelity to your wife. I'm telling you, I have experiences, I've had experiences with this. I worked in a place, worked at nights, worked in a, I worked in a receiving dock, 12 hour shifts, and it was men and women, and they put me with this girl. And, you know, I mean, I, she reminded me of Sarah, my sister. So it never was, 
this way for me. Never was. Honest engine. I'm telling you the truth. And she is, she was married, had two kids. Her husband worked days. She worked nights. Had a six month old baby, which I thought, why are you home with your child? But they needed the money because they had a big mortgage and had two car payments and blah, 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 because they put the cart before the horse and everything in their life. And God wasn't a part of their life at all. And for probably a month or two, we worked and we just, we told stories about our kids and it was just very, uh, what do they call that? Uh, platonic, very platonic. And she came to work one night and she was crying. And by this point, I didn't have feelings for her, but I cared about her as a person. I mean, we, she was a nice person and she was crying and she was upset. Well, as a man, my first instinct is like, well, what, what's wrong? Did something, something happen to you? What's going on? And she proceeded to share with me things that I didn't need to know about, about her marriage. And, and at first it was just like, what? And, and I'm just going to tell it to you like this. Within two nights, mm-hmm. I went to my dock captain privately and I said, assign me a different dock partner. I can't be, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Because, look, I was lost. But I knew what she was angling for. Because she was wanting to go get coffee after work. Within two nights, she was like, you know, you want to go get some breakfast? I'm like, no, I want to go home. And within two weeks after she wasn't my partner on the docks no more, she was having an affair with a married man with three kids in warehousing, and she broke their marriage up before it was over with. She surely did. And that's how it works. You start concerning yourself with the emotional problems of somebody else's wife or husband, you're going to be in bed with them before it's over with. It always works that way. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? No, he cannot. Can he take it up and not be burned? Nope. And neither can you. Don't ever doubt it. Love your wife. Not someone else's. All right. Refer to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Remember First Corinthians chapter thirteen, the charity chapter, the one about love. Read that. You ought to read it every day. That's how God expects you to love your wife. Is she going to love you that way? Well, that's between her and God. I feel like that the Bible's for everyone, so she ought to love you that way too. But is she going to every day? No. Nope. But that's not your business that God told you to love your wife and not be bitter against her. Bitter for what? Well, she may not always reciprocate that same kind of love back to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a given. Look, most everyone in here is married or has been married. And you know that that's the truth. There's days when I get up and I just have just like the warm, fuzzy feeling about us and our life. And she does not. And I'm just like, why can't we? Well, hey, it works the other way too. A lot more probably the other way than it does the first way I said it. But look, you ain't always going to be on the same page every day. And that's why you must rise above that and realize that, look, I I feel like in our marriages we take things too personal from each other. People that we're supposed to trust the most in our life that know our deepest, darkest fears and most intimate secrets and thoughts and all of that, if you're sharing with them, not somebody else's wife. There's supposed to be trust there. Mm -hmm. 
And there must be. Or else on the days when you wake up and you're not in the greatest of moods and she is, you help each other, you pull each other up. See? Instead of taking it personally and then going on the defensive. Throwing rocks at each other all day. Yeah. Well, think about it. That's what they do. They just take they take cheap shots at each other until until you've crossed the line and then now you gotta go into damage control mode or crisis aversion mode and why do we do this? You know, it's like the dumbest thing. But that's why he addresses it here because people been doing this since there's ever been men and women, I guess. You know? Be not bitter against her. Well, why bitterness? Well, because bitterness is one of those emotions that can be hidden for a long time and you don't even realize that it's there. Until all of a sudden, it's like the root that pushes the sidewalk up and the next thing you know, you got a big mess. And it's an almost undoable situation. Bitterness. Don't be bitter at her. Don't allow bitterness to even begin to spring up in your heart towards her when she ain't having the greatest of days or she says something that cuts a little bit. Hey, it's what you're called to. We as husbands are referred to the Savior of the body. Did you know that? Right. What's that mean? Mm-hmm. Just this right here. You know, for lack of a better way to put it, sometimes you got to be the bigger man. Mm-hmm. You got broad shoulders. That's what they always used to say. Just lay it on me. I got broad shoulders. I can carry it. Well, you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. She's the weaker vessel by God's decree in this way. Mm-hmm. There's times you're going to have to carry the water for her. Until you can love her back in and get lined out. It's just how it is. As a husband, that's one of the responsibilities you take on. Is saying, I'll be willing to to be nice when she's not. (laughs) That's not always the easiest thing to do. But I believe God expects us as husbands to do it because He says, love her, don't be bitter at her. Yeah. Bitterness can be the thing you struggle with the most when you feel like things are imbalanced in your marriage. Yeah. You know, in things that like impatience, unfairness, exhaustion. That's something you don't take into consideration, but you know, you just get war plumb out. And exhaustion takes a toll on your mind more than it does your body. You see ladies go through this with an infant with colic or, you know, little babies and they're feeding them all the hours of the day and night and they just turn into a zombie. (laughs) Really, I mean, they're just like, they're just exhausted. And you have to love and fall in love with the person that both of you are becoming as you grow older together. I also never took this into consideration when being married. But I'm not the same guy that she married 25 years ago, and she's not the same girl I married 25 years ago. And you have to make a consorted effort to love each other every day for the person that you're becoming. Because you're going to change. It's inevitable. You're just going to change. I mean, if the food that we like when we're young or don't like changes as we grow older and we begin to like it, what makes you think that emotionally 
The, the needs that we have when you're 21 years old are not going to be different when you're 35 years old. Right. They're going to be. There's going to be children. There's going to be struggles and stresses and all kinds of stuff that gets piled on you through life and heartache and sorrow and loss and sadness and all kinds of things that are going to make you have to understand and accept that each other are changing. you got to keep up with that or else you'll begin to take things personally. You'll think that she's against you. You'll think he's against you. And there's a whole world full of of devils out there that are looking for marriages that are having problems so that they can be for her what you're not being or for him what you're not being. Look around. That's where all of the affairs come from. There's always some joker out there that's going to talk to her like she wants to be talked to, like she needs. That's right. We're all different now than when we started out, wouldn't you say? Verse number 20. Children. Children, verse number 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, let me interject something here for just a second. As parents, don't weaponize this verse against your kids. Don't do that. You are representing to them as they receive understanding about what's right and wrong. They're also receiving an understanding of fairness and balance and reality versus your fantasy. Yes. About this matter of obedience. Yes. You know, the Bible says, submit yourselves one to another. And I read there in my Bible, it's a study Bible. It's got a commentary on all these verses. And it says this about verse 18 about wives submitting yourselves to your husbands. And I'm just going to say, I don't really agree with this. There's a lot in this commentary that I've read. And I'm like, man, that is not right. That's not right. But I'm glad to see an opposing view because... It, you're dealing with the reality of where everybody else is thinking. And it just, it explains why there's such a mess. When you don't understand things like that and the way God meant for them to be, then everything else that you interpret based on that foundational thing is all messed up too. It says here something, let's see. Let's see, it means the wife's submission to her husband is proper in her relationship with Christ. Submission rendered to her husband is submission rendered to Christ. But it's not. It's submission rendered to your husband. Your submission rendered to Christ is a totally different thing. But when you imply that by being submissive to your husband, you're right with God. It gets you off the chain for being right with God yourself. That's why you've got a bunch of weird people submitted to their husbands, but then they're wicked in their heart and they can be mean and backbiters and gossipers and trouble starters in the church and everything else, but they're submitted to their husbands, so you can't say nothing. Mm. No, that's wrong. It's two different things. Obedience from your children is the same way. A child ought to be raised to obey their parents because it's pleasing unto the Lord. Not because if they obey you, they're right with God. Because that does not imply that they're right with God. I was obedient to my father and very wicked for most of my growing up. Because I was a good hider of my wickedness. But I obeyed him implicitly because it kept the peace and it made him not worry about what I was doing. And I could go do what I wanted to. And that's literally the reality of what they learn when they're this big. They do what mommy says. Mommy don't go look in their room. They learn not to fight with their sister and their brother and make a bunch of noise because then that gets mom not coming in there with a stick. 
It's the truth. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing in the Lord. That's the reason why. Not because it's well-pleasing to your parents. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. Amen. And if your parents, as parents, you want your children to be pleasing to the Lord, that's why you'll teach them to be obedient to you. Not so that you're well-pleased with them. Although it does well-please you, don't it? Yeah, it does. But I want, them to, I want them to be pleasing to the Lord in their obedience to Him in this verse because He said to do this. Not because I demanded or else they're going to go to hell. Try to scare them into obedience. You're a fool. They'll run away. There's a period of time where sons and daughters are considered children. Yes. Commandments are necessary for children and obedience is the proper response and required by God for their part and participation in a harmonious home. Mm-hmm. Honoring your father and mother becomes the commandment and the duty of adult sons and daughters as their continued part and participation in harmonious familial relationships. That's right. All is contingent on everyone filling their places in obedience to God's plan in a family. You got a mom and a dad and they've got adult children and they demand obedience out of them or else they're condemned. You've got a mom and dad that don't understand what obedience is and I guarantee you they're probably not obeying God either. Just saying. Father, uh, fathers, verse 21. Now, because it doesn't mention mothers, in this lineup, I'm going to, and if I'm wrong, you correct me, but I'm going to look at this as parents. You know, the Bible talks about the faith of our fathers and things like that, and it's referring to the people who brought us up and our ancestors. So when it says fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Do you think that fathers can provoke, like he could provoke me to anger, but mom couldn't? No, I dare say it's, it might just be more the other one. I'm just saying. Who do your kids spend more time with in their life? Their mom or their dad? Okay. You ever been mad at your mom? You ever been treated unfairly by your mom? Yeah, you spent more time with her. She's a person too. She's going to make a mistake or two here and there. So will you. Provoke not your children to anger. Well, not much provokes anger from children towards their parents. You got to think about this. They start out loving you. They start out wanting to please you with everything that they are. They, they, you, you know, and you can say, well, they came out and and they just been sideways ever since they was born, crying, screaming, blah, 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 blah. No, every child wants to please their parents. They love you. So what would provoke them to anger against you? It's real talk. This is where I lose most people because they don't want to talk about this. Double standards, secrets, dishonesty, inconsistency, hypocrisy, unfairness, cruelty, disregard for their need or desire to understand beyond blind obedience. Because remember, if obedience is not defined and understood the right way, then it's going to be administered unfairly from time to time. That's right. That's right. You know, God expects us to obey Him sometimes when we do not see. That's what faith is. And you've got to have faith in your parents, when you're, especially when you're little. Mm-hmm. And then when you grow up, 
and you think you got it figured out, but you still don't know, you got to be able to have some. You need to have faith in them then too. The stakes are a lot higher. But how often does God, you know, what's that song that we sing? Say, in shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads His dear children along. I don't feel like God expects us to do a whole lot of things without we understand why. The only the more more of the things that we ask questions of why about is suffering. Yeah, that's true. You know, if it's pleasant things or just things that ain't cramping our lifestyle, you know, we feel like God, you know, we're on the same page with him. But I really do feel that way. I don't believe God demands blind obedience 100% of the time. You know, I've heard people say to their children when they say, why? Because that's one of their favorite questions. Inquisitive minds would like to know, (laughs) why are we doing this? Because I said so, that's why. Keep on saying that. See how long that works out for you. Because I'm the dad and I said so. Well, look, sometimes that... Sentiment is what comes up in you when they're asking why for the 7,000th time today. But instead of asserting yourself in a like an egotistical way over your kids, I mean, why would you do that? But we do. Take that opportunity to teach them what faith is and trust. Insert that in there. Look, I know you don't understand, but if you'll just trust me, in just about five minutes, you're going to understand. And then celebrate it when they understand instead of kicking them back to the back of the line where they belong. Know your place and shut your face. <laughs> well, I've heard people tell their kids that. And that provokes anger. Then that affects the way they interpret what's right that they're hearing. It's stained with anger. Why would you not want to provoke them to anger? Lest they be discouraged. Discouraged. Discouraged to what? To everything right. Everything you've ever represented to them. Well, I didn't treat him that way in this matter. Yeah, but you did in these other things and you you discouraged him. And now, you don't believe anything you say. Man, and how you just shoot yourself in the foot. Don't discourage them. Don't provoke them to anger because they'll be discouraged. Will they be angry at you forever? No, because remember, they want to please you. They want to love you, but you're going to discourage them in their way. Whether we as parents want to own it or not, the choices we make of how we comport ourselves in our marriages and our homes can and does greatly influence the direction our kids might go in. And that's concerning your marriage too. I mean... One more thing. We're almost out of time. Servants. What we're all called to be to each other. Mark 10, uh, verses 44 and 45. Jesus said, And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Your servants. 
people use this verse for, you know, uh, applying it to an employee and his boss. I believe that your testimony ought to shine through on the job and how you respond. But I don't think you should go and subject yourself to ab, you know, adverse abuse and be some kind of martyr on the job because then you start to misrepresent right and wrong by just getting kicked around all your life at your job because you're such a good Christian. Go find another job. God don't want you in that place. That may be Him saying, hey, you need to get out of this place. Instead of just there and taking your licks because you're such a good Christian. Nah, you'll be discouraged next. And then you'll bring it home with you and discourage your whole family. That's right. You will. I've, I've been there too. The servant. You're, we're to be servants to each other. Yeah. You know? And not with eye service. That means work done while the master is watching. Mm. You know, everybody else is watching you when you're in church and everybody walks in. You know, the old joke about fighting all the way to church and everybody walks in. They put their mask on. Hi, God bless you. We're so happy to be here. It's been such a wonderful week. God's so good. Yay. And then as soon as they get back in the car and shut the door, where were we? Get their notes out. Go back to fighting. Pick right up where you left off. That's eye service. You know, and your kids are watching that. And then they grow up and they'll do the same thing. And then their kids will watch it. And that's your grandkids. And then it's going to break your heart because by then you've realized what a fool you've been. But now it's too late because you'll never convince them that they're wrong for doing it because it's what you did. Men pleasers. It's pretty self-explanatory. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Men pleasers, pretty self-explanatory. You do things to please other men with selfish motives. It's because you ever hear of me, you know, somebody saying that somebody does something, everything they do is strategic. Yeah, everything they do is strategic because there is a benefit for them somehow in their even their humility or their submissiveness or their participation or their selflessness or whatever. But there's always some angle where they're going to reap a benefit from it in the future, even if it's just, you know, favor with other people in their social circle or whatever. That's a men pleaser. He said, don't be a servant with that intention. Now we're talking about the home. Don't be that way with each other. You ever hear your kids make deals with each other? Mm-hmm. Lissa's packing all her stuff up, getting ready to get married and move away. So she's going through all that. She saved everything, everything, boxes of everything, little notes and all this stuff. And she's been going through it this week. And some of it makes you cry. Some of it makes you laugh hysterically. Some of it makes you ashamed. Some of it, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of ugh, mercy. <coughs> Evidence, boy, I'm telling you, it's bad. But she had a note from Anna. And it was funny because she's like, listen to this. This is Anna trying to make a deal with me. And it was Anna. And she was wanting to go to Esther's house. And Alyssa was the younger sister. She wanted to go. But as Anna was trying to convince her to stay at home and let her go by herself so it could be for her. And she gave her all these heartfelt reasons why she was trying to catch up and blah, blah, blah. And if you'll, if you'll just let me go, I'll braid your hair. I'll braid your hair. Yes, I'll braid your hair. <laughs> well, there was an ulterior motive to her such goodness. 
singleness of heart, everyone having the same common goal and master, the Lord. See, it's got to start there. And the thunder that you hear later on, it's the trickle-down effect. It's got to start with Him being every one of our master individually. And then, you know, there's the, the matter of unity. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Do it unto the Lord. You know, I talk about Wyatt having saved me millions of steps in his life so far. And it's coming up someday and he's going to leave me and then I'm going to have to load all my own tools and unload all my own tools and mow my own grass and do all my own weed eating and it's just going to... I know why Dad's yard never gets weeded much now because it's just too much work. It's just too much. He is. He is. He has served me. With a good spirit. Because I feel like in a lot of ways he's done it as unto the Lord. I don't think it's always been easy to, hey, you want to run down there and get my coffee cup that I forgot for the 7,000th time at my shop? In the dark. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Just goes and does it. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. What's the inheritance? Well, how about happiness and peace, unity, you know, blessings of the Lord, His favor. Just knowing that He smiles on you and He's pleased. Same reason why you want your kids to obey their parents in all matters. This is very pleasing to the Lord. Well, He's our Father. We're to obey Him in all matters too, aren't we? Because it's very pleasing to the Lord. Okay, I'm way past time.